So our speaker today is Giri Govardhan. Um, Prabhu Giri is a full-time member of the temple community. He runs the Bhakti Lounge, which is a Sunday morning gathering from 10, 30, 10? 10, 10 to until whenever, schedule 10 to 12, 10 to 1, but it goes on. Conversations, because what Giri is, is one of these brahmanas, these uh, wise practitioners who not only know the philosophy, but really, really try to help us live it. Uh, that the, the philosophy moves from knowledge into, into realized knowledge. Um, so he has, he has a, almost 40 years of experience in the practice of bhakti. He's a disciple of um, Ravindra Swarup, His Grace Ravindra Swarup Prabhu, a very well-known scholarly devotee in ISKCON. And um, we're delighted to have Giri Prabhu here today. So please give him a warm welcome. Thank you. Magyana Timirandasya Gyananjana Shalakaya Chakshura Militam Dena Tasmai Shri Gurave Namaha Yeah, so the, the, the title of the talk today is Bhakti, Sentiment or Service. And, uh, and there are times when, uh, and so, anyway, sometimes people will lean one way or the other on that. Uh, and Prabhupada, you know, sometimes he doesn't speak very kindly of the word sentiment. And like I've got, there's a quote here from the, uh, from the Nectar of Instruction, verse 3, and Prabhupada's commentary says, Devotional service is not a matter of sentimental speculation or imaginative ecstasy. Its substance is practical activity. And he goes on to say, Bhakti is a sort of cultivation. As soon as we say cultivation, we must refer to activity. And of course we see when Prabhupada translates bhakti as devotional service. So the service element there is, is, is strong. Um, but if we look at him a little bit more carefully, you'll see some interesting things happen. There's a certain type of sentiment he's not in favor of. And he, he says, this is, a, he, this, this is another quote, he says, devotion is not sentiment, it is a science. One should not think that Krishna consciousness is mere sentimentality. There he starts to, you get a little <laughs> opening there. The dancing and singing is all scientific. There is science, and there is also loving reciprocation. And now, see, that, that's a little bit different, right? He said that, the, that the, there's, the, there's a reason for the chanting and the singing and, and the happiness there, but he says then there's loving reciprocation. And it's hard to understand love or even the feeling of being reciprocal without having to read some feeling. There's got to be some sentiment there. And it's why he says mere sentiment. And then he says, this is in the, uh, in the Nectar of Devotion. He says, uh, he says, actually the cultivation of knowledge or renunciation which are favorable for achieving a footing in Krishna consciousness may be accepted in the beginning. But ultimately, they may also come to be rejected, for devotional service is dependent on nothing other than the sentiment or desire for such service. It requires nothing more than sincerity. 
So when Prabhupada talks about uh, uh, sentiment, in particular, because Prabhupada uses it in another way, he generally says, he, says, he has a saying that he repeats many times. He says right, that, that religion without philosophy is sentiment, and that philosophy without religion is mental speculation. So the sentiment that he's talking about needs to be grounded in a certain understanding. You can't just come out of nowhere. When he, when he talks about the, the uh, of sentimental speculation or imaginative ecstasy, what he's talking about there is that, that in, the, in the very advanced stages, especially of, of perfection in bhakti, uh, persons actually have tremendous feelings towards, feelings of love towards Krishna and ecstatic feelings towards him. They're quite overpowering. And so Prabhupada says we shouldn't try to imitate such persons if we don't have the genuine, if we're not the genuine article. So this is, imag this is imaginative ecstasy and sentimental speculation. And so what I'm going to, going to present to you today is I'm going to propose to you that, you know, you know that Prabhupada says devotional service, he doesn't also just say service. Right? And so that devotion seems to sense there's some kind of, some kind of mood there. So what I'm going to try to do is we're going to look at, at Rupa Goswami's definition of bhakti that he gives in the Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, and we're going to see how they fit together, where there's service, where there's sentiment, and how that sentiment also is connected with understanding. So it's a grounded type of sentiment. And many, many, in, in, uh, even in, in, in the West, in the, in the Christian tradition, there's, there's, uh, they have this uh, notion of, of religious enthusiasm. Right? where people just become very emotional. Oftentimes, in, in, in earlier times, there used to be traveling revivals that would be under tents, and people would come in, and they'd be, we had this charismatic preacher who would you know, really try to get them all fired up to, to repent their sins and surrender to Jesus and you know, to, to save themselves from hell and to, you know, to go to heaven. And you, know, you get a lot of people together, and you get a really charismatic person. A lot of people, they have these mass conversions. You know, but a lot of times it wouldn't last very long, right? Because once once it's once that feeling is over, then people kind of go back to their ordinary ordinary lives. And so, oftentimes, when there's just sentiment that doesn't have a basis, it doesn't last very long. It comes and it goes, or it comes and completely goes. You know, there's not a foundation for it. At the same time, if if like, like and Lord Chaitanya, he was he was accused of that. When he was in, in, uh, in Varanasi, he was, uh, he was chanting and dancing, and that was a, a headquarters of many of the impersonalist sannyasis. And he was also a sannyasi, and they're, they're expecting to see somebody who's very renounced, and he's chanting and dancing. And of course, I mean, when people are chanting and dancing, you know, nobody is sober, right? <laughs> no sentiment here, right? You feel, you feel joy and happiness. That's, you know, Prabhupada also talks about bhakti being... Right? It, it, it has the higher taste. We feel happiness from bhakti. In the Bhagavad Gita, it says bhakti is susukam, very happy. Right? So sentiment has to be there. So we'll, we'll take a look. Rupa Goswami, uh, when he, he defines, uh, there, there's, there's this verse, uh, it's, it's quoted in Chaitanya Charitamrita, uh, Madhya Lita, chapter 19, 167. 
And so in that definition, there's Krishanu Shilanam. And it mean, what, literally what that means is actions directed towards Krishna. Anushilanam are actions and Krishanu towards Krishna. So there has to be some action. That's the service component, right? It's Krishanu Shilanam. So somewhere, so because the other thing, the other thing you can you can have, you can have a a small sentimental feeling, <laughs> right? Like somebody somebody may present themselves as your friend, they like you, right? But then you ask them for a small favor, and it turns out they're a fair weather friend, right? So the, the sentiment runs very shallow. Right, so the sentiment is supposed to be strong enough to flow over into action. That's the idea. Right. So bhakti has, and another thing is when, when, when bhakti is, when the, uh, advancement in bhakti is described in the Srimad Bhagavatam, it's described as a softening of the heart that was holding us back as a hard heart. So the heart is definitely present, and we'll, 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 we'll see that. So there's the Krishna Shilanam, that's an integral part of the definition of bhakti, that there are actions directed towards Krishna. And then the word before that is anukulyena. And like you, you have anukul and pratikul, right? Anukul is like with the grain, and pratikul is against the grain. If you have a, if you have a like we have our little temple cats running around, if you, if you pent them with the grain, it's pleasing, but if you rub them up the other way, it's not, it's pretty cool, it's not, uh, not favorable. So it says there's a favorable attitude. So the actions towards Krishna must be done with a favorable attitude. And, uh, and, and this, is, this is described, uh, Jiva Goswami describes this in his commentary on this verse, that he, he says that, that, that there are occasions like we have, uh, we have various demons who come and attack Krishna in Vrindavan and other places. And those are actions directed towards Krishna. And he actually likes them. Right? Krishna likes it when the demons come and attack. Right? Because he's playing with his, his friends. You know, children oftentimes they, have, they imagine things, right? They have, they have, they have fantasies where they're you know, doing heroic things, you know? And so when the, when the actual demons come to Vrindavan, they don't have to fantasize. They got real demons. You know? It's like it makes it so much better. Well, Krishna has fun. Hmm? They also mention in particular Kamsa, right? who was remembering Krishna all the time. One of the devotional processes, one of the actions we can do to Krishna is a, is a mental one, remembering him. So he was remembering Krishna all the time, like more faithfully than anybody. You know, when he was bathing, when he was eating, when he was sitting down, when he was walking around, he was Krishna, 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 because he was afraid of him and he wanted to kill him. So the action was there. It was directed towards him. It was even one of the recognized practices of devotion. Of devotion. Right? But because it was pratikul, it was unfavorable, it's not bhakti. It's not bhakti. So the, the anukul, the, a good attitude towards Krishna, a favorable attitude, is, is, is integral to bhakti. So that's, and that's a sentiment. 
That's a sentiment. And you can't, you can't get rid of that. You know? And if we forget about that, then sometimes our service can become very mechanical. If we think just the service is doing the, is doing the thing, it's not. The service is supposed to be somehow coming from the heart, at least somewhat. In fact, I'll argue that's the most tasteful part of the service. And then the first two lines, Anibalashita Shunyam and Jnana Karma they bring a couple of, this, this is where the feeling gets balanced with understanding, part of the ways it does that, where, where it's connected with understanding. So, Anyabilashita Shunyam is talking about the motivation. Why, and that, that will also factor into what is our favorable feeling towards Krishna. So Krishna says, you know, that, that in, in the Gita he says, you know, two types of people that often approach him are somebody who has, needs something that they can't get on their own, or that has something they, can't, they want to get rid of that they can't get rid of on them. They have some difficulty. There's a lacking or there's something that they want to, a difficulty they want to get removed. And so they may come to Krishna and they may perform some service to him, thinking that Krishna can help them in, in that idea. And so there's a, a favorable attitude towards Krishna that's there. And that Krishna's a nice person. <laughs> you know, he, may, he may respond to my need, may be kind and compassionate, and if I do some service, Krishna may give me this thing I want, I, I think I need, and it's something that I need to get rid of. So there's a little bit of favorable attitude there. And if they really think that Krishna's going to come through, the motivation to serve may be pretty strong. You know, although once they get it, that then it may, you know, then it may go back again. You, you get the problem removed, you get, and it goes away. Um, so, so the motivation makes a difference. So, say, so you have a situation, say, with Arjuna. In in Bhagavad Gita, when he was there on the battlefield, at first he went to Krishna because he was confused. It was a really, he had a, it was a really tricky problem concerning you know, dharma and duty that he was faced with. It was a very unusual situation. Right? And, so, and it seemed like he, even the scriptures kind of seemed to contradict themselves. There are some scriptures, the Niti Shastras, that said that, that if, if you're attacked, you can, you can have the right to defend yourself. There's this, this, the, the, even the six aggressors are mentioned, you know. And, and the Pandavas have been attacked in all those six ways. And Krishna's saying, look, you can, you can fight back. But then there's, the, the, there's the, the Dharma Shastras that say you're never supposed to attack somebody who's like your... Like, a, like, like his, his teacher and his grandfather, persons like that, should never be attacked. So it's very tricky. And so he asked Krishna, tell me what to do. I become your, 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 your disciple, your shishya. You try to clear me through, because it's a very difficult situation. Usually you don't have families fighting on the other side and all this kind of stuff. It's very simple. So it was a complicated issue. So he was asking Krishna, tell me what to do. Because he was thinking you know, that the other side was just greedy, and because of the, this is their hearts overcome by greed, we're going to destroy the whole family. Say, I don't want to act on that lower level. Say, I have no motivation to do it. Why should I do it? Right? And so at first he, he asked Krishna for guidance. He said, I'm confused about my duty. He said, I don't know what to do. 
you're telling kind of one thing, and I'm, I'm thinking these other things. I'm seeing all it's confused. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. So he's looking first for guidance. Right? And then as Krishna goes along and speaks Bhagavad Gita, Arjuna gets a whole new idea. Right? He understands that Krishna is the source of everything and the controller of everything. And so he has arranged this battle to take place. And he also knows, understands that Krishna is everybody's well-wisher. So it's not something terrible. He's thinking of everybody's welfare. This is, this is Krishna. He says, I'm the well-wisher of everybody. And so in some, you know, in, in, the, in the material world, you have, you have Krishna who's controlling, but he's giving, he's giving some independence to the, to the beings here. Right? So, so there's, a, there's a, a flexibility. Everything doesn't happen exactly as he wants, but he's, look, he's still looking to find how to benefit everyone the most. And so in that battle, Krishna was there and people could see him. So ordinarily, it says when the warriors die, Krishna mentions this to, to Arjuna, that they go to the, to the planet to, where, where the controllers of the, you know, the, the, the sun and the moon and the wind and the rain go, the, the devas go. It says it opens the doors to Swarga, this, the place where the devas live, higher beings. It says, it says, it says the, the soldiers are happy when it's, when it's time to fight, even if they may be killed, because they will benefit from that. But when Krishna was there, it says everybody who was seeing Krishna was liberated. It was like, it was like a, a success for everybody's life, actually, anybody who was killed. And so, Arjuna, and so Krishna, what Krishna tells Arjuna at the end, he says, look, trust me. Right? You trust me. You surrender, you take shelter of me. The sharana means you take shelter of me. You trust me. If you do what I'm instructing you to do, everything will work out for the best for everybody. He could have faith in that. And that works for everybody all the time. So this is a higher level than somebody who can give you something you want or take away something that's, that you don't want, that you, that you have some trouble. This is someone you can trust who's your well-wisher and everybody else's well-wisher, that if you, if you take him as your shelter, that only good things can happen. So this is a deeper... So when, when you feel... When, you know, Arjuna could feel like that. Right? There's a deeper anakulyena. He says, don't fear. He says, take away all your fear. He says, have no more fear. So Krishna is suddenly his protector and his guide and everything is so beautiful. So when, when you have that kind of situation, then the anukulyena, the feeling towards Krishna increases. And it becomes more stable. Right? There's a, a feeling of gratitude that can come in. which nourishes the, the actions towards Krishna. When we're doing something, trying to get something, 
Well, sometimes if the desire is strong enough, it can be a strong motivation, but it's connected to the specific desire. But what happens when you feel protected, when you feel cared for, when you feel supported, right? when you feel gratitude, right? then there's a natural, a very personal exchange that takes place. You've done, Prophet us a loving reciprocation. Right? Krishna, so much you've done for me, then naturally I want to do it for you. And it's a sweet, a sweetness that's attractive to Krishna. And it goes further than that. If we, if, if we look deeper into the teachings, is that Krishna... Krishna has a desire to connect with us individually. This is Krishna's desire. That he has a notion where he and every soul has a connection, a loving connection. This is Krishna's idea. Now, if we imagine... Right, there are people that we admire. Right? And, if they, and if they want it, then maybe you know, they're somehow you know, way above us in some way. But they, if they wanted, wanted to meet you and be friends with you and be connected with you, how that makes you feel. So here we have Krishna who's he, he's everything. To us, he should, we should be, be tiny little specks. But to him, he repeatedly mentions how we're important to him. They're his. We're his. They're my parts and parcels. He says, they're mine. And he's reaching out to us. Time after time after time, every time he appears as, as, a, as an avatar, he reveals himself. Every time he, his devotees come, every time the the scriptures come, he's reaching out to us. And he's saying, I want a connection. We have value to Krishna. Everybody, every single soul. No matter what. The problem is that the, 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 this connection is only from our side. There's this unconditional love coming our direction from Krishna. He tells Arjuna, you can come to me. <laughs> I have my own world above this. And I want you to come there. That invitation is open to us. Where he has his private life. We have, the soul has three kind of different ways of being. Right now, we're so, our consciousness is so absorbed in the externals that we cannot feel the, the complete peace that a soul naturally feels. It's hard for us to believe that, but we, the, the soul, our real self, 
has is utterly content, full satisfaction. Right? We have, you know, we say, Om Shanti, Shanti, Shanti. We have that. <laughs> we're asking for it. We have it. We are that. But we don't feel that way because we're distracted. And so now we're in need, either removing things or receiving things, experiencing things. And we're trying to fill this, this, this void that's there. Mm -hmm. Those who are able to develop more of their spiritual side increasingly feel this inner peace. It doesn't come from anywhere. It's, it's our natural condition. What Krishna has understood, and the reason why Krishna just isn't, isn't simply a ball of light and feeling completely happy, is that he knows there's something better than that, better than supreme peace. And that's genuine love. So love is kind of a difficult term to use because we, we have a certain ordinary connotation for that. And love oftentimes produces some serious unhappiness. Right? You know, love produces the blues. <laughs> you know, all kinds of you know, normal kind of contemporary music is about heartbreak and so many things like that. Because no, what we call love here, in, in our experience, has a lot of desire mixed in with it. So you have somebody or something that fills the empty spaces in your heart. That's desire. That's desire. And when that's broken, then it could be anger, or sadness, or so many things. But love is where you care about the other. They inspire you. You see value in them, and you want to do something for them. You know, um, with good parents, you kind of see that more often, right? Where the children may not be very, even very appreciative, <laughs> you know, but you'll sacrifice for them because you see value in them. So, on a spiritual level, when you're dealing with with Krishna and you're dealing with other divine beings, Krishna is known as the all attractive. So just to see Krishna or to experience him in some kind of meaningful way causes just this rejoicing, the soul to overflow. And just his existence. I, I, I can, the the one, one example I can think of, there are times when, when, when somebody will just inspire you to just do something. We had this one, when I was living in Detroit, there was this one little, about three-year-old boy who was just adorable. And his parents would take him you know, down the street to the drugstore. And complete strangers would just be smitten. They'd be rolling down their windows in their cars, and, and they'd buy him candy. Just, they never saw him before, never see him again, but they want to do something, because he's, oh, wow. And he, they'd give him candy, he'd smile, and they'd just, oh, they'd just be so happy. It didn't get anything out of it, right? You know, but just because he was so cute, it made them feel so good. And so Krishna blows people's minds. And then out of gratitude, you want to do so you just have to do something back. They have to do something. That's, that's what's spontaneous in the spiritual world. It's this spontaneous thing. And when Krishna feels that, his heart also softens. And he wants to do this is reciprocal loving. 
exchanges. There's a feeling of indebtedness in the spiritual world, this beautiful feeling of indebtedness, where Krishna is so wonderful you want to do something for him, and Krishna feels indebted to his devotees. And so that's, then the, the Anukulian is just raging, and the, and the service is, 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 going, is going immensely. So if we want to, we're of course not on that level, so if we want to move in that direction, I think we really have to monitor this Anukulina. What, what, what is our good feeling towards Krishna? Why is it there? What is our understanding? Right? And, what is, and what is our understanding of ourself? What is our understanding of Krishna? What is the understanding of our relationship? Hmm? And remember the times when we felt inspired, the times when we, when we felt it, because the... At this point, you know, sometimes we're going to feel. We're going to come and chant and dance and be very happy. And that doesn't always stay. But that should help us to, to feel connected with Krishna and deepen that, that understanding and that, and that connection to make us more eager to connect again. Because right? it's, it's connected with what our purpose is, who we think we are, who we think Krishna is, how much we, can, we have faith in him. These things are all connected. The, the jnana kamadhyanavrata means other types of things we do spiritually. Right? So do we think that Krishna can supply everything spiritually? Or is it, he's, he will, we have many stop, stops in our spiritual journey. Right? So this person happens with, helps me with this, this one helps me with this, this kind of, this kind of you know, uh, this other kind of spiritual practice helps me over here. For, or, or can Krishna be all-inclusive? Krishna is saying he's all-inclusive. Because he's everything. He says, all different paths are mine. He says, I've created everything. Everything is me. He says, if you come to me, there's nothing you can't obtain. Anything anybody else, anything else can give, I can give. So that when, he said, when he says to take shelter, he says, there, I'm the only one you've got to have. So that increases the anukulti. But if we, if, we, if we lose touch with the heart part of it, then we end up kind of just, we can go through the motions in our service. If we're chanting Hare Krishna, we can just, okay, we, you know, we're chanting, but why? And that when, we, when we do feel some, some joy in, in connecting with Krishna, that should reinforce that anakulyena. If our faith increases, if our... If our motivations turn less from what we can get from Krishna to the fact that we've already received something that we could never repay. That starts to become spontaneous. It's, it's almost impossible, it's, it's impossible for us in the current state not to have some self-interest. <laughs> it's, it's impossible, but we can reduce it. Right? We can think that because Krishna is so wonderful, he's reached out to me Already this is, this is unimaginable. How can I repay that? And so when gratitude comes in, it becomes a spontaneous motivation for, for actions towards Krishna. And when our desires become more refined, uh, when Prabhupada, uh, he talks about, uh, he translates that, that verse, 
in the Chaitanya Charitamrita, the Anya Balashdashunyam means with, without a, a, a selfish motivation. You're serving Krishna only to please him. That's the that's the kind of the, the, the main connotation there. He says that. He translates it word for word. That, that, that he puts the whole and, he, and the, but then he goes comma. <laughs> and he says, or without material desires. He steps it down a little bit because because there, there's, there's, there's also the desire for, say, going back to Krishna's place. That's not a material desire. It's a selfish desire, but not a material one. Then he says, parentheses, such as, and then he quotes the four regulative principles, such as meat-eating, intoxication, <laughs> gambling. So he says, even if you reduce, take a bite out of some of the major, more difficult material desires, that's a step forward. And then what if you stop the material one? So there's, a, there's a, a process there. Because as long as there's ego, there's selfishness. And we can't, we can't get away from that. So we may be wanting to go back to, to, to the spiritual world because we think it'll be wonderful there. It's okay. You know, it's okay. But can we, can we imagine how wonderful it is that that's an opportunity for us? Can we feel grateful to Krishna for, for him reaching out for us? Just feel like we've we've received more than we could ever deserve. When we're acting and doing service and we're thinking, I'm earning something, I'm deserving something. Yeah. That's, that's hard to keep going. But when you think, the, the persons who are advanced in devotional service are thinking, no matter how much I'm doing, I could never repay Krishna for his love. So I may be, maybe, maybe doing so much service, but thinking it's not, it's not even, it's a tiny attempt at repayment. I have to try to repay you, but, I, but it's a tiny amount. The gratitude. So, anyway, it looks like we're getting past our time here, so let me, uh, let me uh, stop, thank you, and ask, is there any comments or questions or complaints? And we'll take, we'll try to face all of them, <laughs> even if it's complaints. <laughs> I'm just curious, Prabhu, you spoke a lot about gratitude that we should have for the gifts that Krishna gives us in this world and in our eternal relationship with him. And practically, we see that a lot of our interactions with the supreme absolute powers that exist are not very happy ones. You know, it's right in the Vedic teachings. There's birth, there's death, there's old age, there's disease. People die sooner than we wanted them to. Money's lost that we thought we had secure. Fires come, so many things. So how do we be grateful when faced with the Lord's manifestation like that? Yeah, well, the kind of gratitude I'm really talking about is, is more, I mean, of course, when, when, something, when we do receive something, when something happens nicely in the, in the world, we can, we can be, I mean, Krishna even teaches this in the 15th chapter, where he says, I'm the sun and the moon. So I'm giving you the light of the sun, which is sustaining everything. Moon, uh, according to the, the Vedas, the moonlight helps to make vegetables more nutritious, he says that I'm, uh, I'm the fire of digestion. I'm, uh, and he, he, the, prophet, the prophet says that, that uh, he translates it that he keeps the earth in its orbit. And some of the other acharyas uh, say that, that he keeps, that the Krishna's power keeps the earth from crumbling under, under the, into dust under our feet and we would just be floating someplace. So he's doing many things for us already. And so it's, Useful to acknowledge that, but what I'm thinking more more is is, is that that connection with him, 
You see, there's there's a, there's a in, in the in the Jiva Goswami's Gopal Champu, there's this one little tiny section that 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 blew my mind. It said that he's, he says that when Krishna appears in the, in the material world, that Krishna finds the, the couple that has the highest amount of parental love for him. And, and, he, and, and, he, and because he feels so grateful to them for that, he becomes their son. So he repays them by giving them himself. And he says, even when he does that, he doesn't feel that he's repaying them appropriately. That lo real love is so priceless that it can't be repaid. Right? And so if we, can, if we can have some consideration that here we are, these small beings, and Krishna, who's everything, really wants to deal with us. He sees us as valuable. Not just the things he's doing, but just the affection that's there. He says, I'm the well-wisher of everybody. If we could feel some joy from that, and then some gratitude towards that, that this is amazing. Then you want to, you know, you want to show Krishna some appreciation. So it's not so much necessarily a thing thing. And when, and when we deal with troubles, right, that's also hard. We think Krishna, you know, we think Krishna will kind of, kind of smooth the way. But Krishna, when Krishna's protection means he's always working to deepen the relationship. And so sometimes trouble has a silver lining. Reversals have a silver lining. So Krishna always, you know, he says, my devotees never perish. But we see sometimes devotees are killed. <laughs> and on the battlefield of Kurukshetra, there was Bhishma. He was killed. Right? So sometimes they die. But, the, but that the way that he died deepened the connection with Krishna. Krishna appeared right there on his deathbed. I've always interpreted that parish not necessarily meaning leaving this body, but that Krishna is, you know, even if you don't fulfill everything in this lifetime, it's never lost, there's no diminution. So that element of your relationship with Krishna or as a being never perishes. Yeah, and I, but I think also even, even it can be enriched by that particular item. There's many, many cases when people go through difficulty that they take greater shelter of Krishna. Mm -hmm. So that would still mean you're not perishing because yeah. you're just evolving. Yeah, yeah so, not, 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 so you're, you know, in, in, from, from your point of view, it's true. Your, your devotion doesn't perish, but that, 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 that difficulty may even cause it to increase. And nourished. So Krishna's always protecting the devotion and I think always nourishing it, really, if we can look at it in the right way. So in, in that way, because otherwise, yeah, we were a little bit, you know, we expect, hey, Krishna's my friend, he's all-powerful, right? So everything should go good in my life, you know? But we're, we're already understanding in some different ways that there's many, one of there's many lives, this is not my one and only life. This, and I have an eternal identity that I'm not aware of, and that's, that's the real value that I'm looking for, not having a, necessarily having just a peaceful life. And there's another world, a spiritual world that I'm aspiring for. And so sometimes the difficulties help us. Mm -hmm. 
I mean, you know, we have, we have there's the case of Ajamil, who'd, who'd been a devotee, fell way, way deep into all kind of sinful activities, and Krishna took everything away from him. I mean, he was, he was so attached to his wealth that he wouldn't even spend money on himself. He was so attached to it, it made so much. And then when he lost it, so he just was like, for the longest time, he was all he could think about is, I lost it, I lost it, I lost it. And then something clicked. And he realized this is Krishna's arrangement. He remembered. And he became a whole different person. You're still talking about Ajamil? Ajamil, yeah. Yeah. Krishna never forgets. No, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm talking about the Avanti Brahmana. Oh, okay. I, 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 I conflated those. Avanti Brahmana. Yeah, Avanti Brahmana. It was similar, though. Ajamil had some background also. But, uh, but yeah, Ajamil. I mean, uh, Avanti Brahmana. He was, he had, he had, he was this, uh, a miserly person, so miserly that he wouldn't, uh, he wouldn't even spend money on himself. Yeah. And then, then he went through even more. Right? Because when he, 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 became a, he became a bhikshu. He was presenting himself as a holy man. Everybody was thinking, this guy is such a fraud. <laughs> and they were treat, mistreating him. Right? He said, well, I, we know this guy. He's a greedy, selfish, you know, terrible person. And now he's trying to pretend he's holy. And so they were doing all kinds of terrible things to him. You know, and, he had, and he wrote this whole meditation on suffering. Right? So yeah, so, he, so in, in that case, you know, we can even have some understanding with that. But, but the, the gratitude is that, is that Krishna wants a connection with us, and that's priceless. That's just priceless, a personal connection. And so if we can under, even understand it's a high price, <laughs> then it's okay. But priceless is ultimately what it is. Okay, so I think we're out of time. Thank you. Thank you. That little girl is echoing what we learned today. Mommy, mommy, where are you? Right? Krishna, Krishna, where are you? Thank you so much. Um, before you go, thank you, Giri Govardhan Prabhu. He'll, he'll sit here for a little while if anybody wants to come forward and ask him any other questions before going to take lunch. Have a wonderful week. Please stay connected to Krishna. Stay sweet. Stay out of trouble. Um, and come back next Sunday so you can get re-nourished and refocused and re-energized. Thank you all so much. Hare Krishna.